Climate Conversations is meant to be just that, a conversation. But I'm a little dislocated at the moment as I'm far from my home. I'm some 1,500 kilometres away in Queensland, visiting my family. To complicate things even a little more, I'm recording this in the dining room at my son's home. And as you can hear, the audio has some echo in it. But that's okay, we'll press on. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present and emerging. It was on October 10 that Mickey Perkins wrote in the Melbourne Age, or asked the question in the Melbourne Age, what will you do to reduce the state's greenhouse gas emissions? She said, you told us you'd like politicians and candidates to answer this question before the coming election. Here's why. It's unequivocal, she writes. Victorians are concerned about the escalating climate crisis and the state of the environment and want more coverage on these issues. As part of our Victoria's Agenda project, our reporters sounded you out across the state over the past few weeks. In Bendigo, we spoke with walnut farmer Mark Jankelson a Ridsdale resident at the local farmer's market. His most pressing concern was climate change and its effects on his business. His walnut farm has seen long periods of rain in spring, which causes blight, but also blistering heat. Sustained high temperatures over 40 degrees burns the walnut crop. I'm starting to lose hope. As a farmer, we're seeing the impact, Jankelson said. I want to know that these issues are recognized by the parties coming in. Long term, I worry about my kids, Short term, it's all about mitigation. You'll find a link to the Mickey Perkins story in the show notes. Meanwhile, the Scientific American carries an article, an opinion article from Melbourne's Anitra Nelson and Vincent Leary. The article, These Technologies Help You Living Lightly on a Fragile Planet. The article begins, Carbon emissions are driving the biosphere toward a three degrees Celsius rise in average temperature as the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, recently noted in its sixth assessment report. Intense and frequent droughts, flooding, wildfires and feud insecurity are already devastating parts of the world. The usual clean technology solution to reduce carbon emissions has serious ecological and social costs, however. Renewable energy threatens to generate mountains of waste and destruction. Just replacing fossil fuel-powered cars with fleets of electric vehicles, for example, requires vast amounts of... These include critical minerals and rare earth elements, all of which involve controversial extractive practices that damage ecosystems and people. In short, the clean tech pathway threatens to exaggerate the exploitation of our precious living planet and fails to account for the uneven burdens felt by the poor and vulnerable, who cannot afford price hikes, or the purchase of new eco-friendly appliances and devices. Similarly, budgeting markets for carbon offsets, also called carbon credits, allow the wealthy to pollute at the expense of the poor, as demonstrated by the record of the United Nations carbon offset for forests. Instead of clean technology, what the earth and humankind need is convivial technology, a concept originated from the Roman Catholic philosopher Ivan Illich and is developed by modern thinkers such as Andrea Vita, It includes tools and production techniques that are easily understood, created and repaired and that assist people to fulfil their basic needs. In practice, convivial technology is used in transport, food growing, self-provision housing and much more. 
all grounded in cooperative, mutually agreeable and sharing approaches that together comprise a convivial society. You'll find a link to that story in the show notes. And in the Sydney Morning Herald, Nick Perry writes, or at least in a story headlined, New Zealand proposes taxing cowburbs to tackle climate change. He says, New Zealand's Labor government has proposed taxing the greenhouse gases that farm animals made from burping and peeing as part of a plan to tackle climate change. The Adern government said the farm levy would be a world first and that farmers would be able to recoup the cost by charging more for climate-friendly products. But farmers quickly condemned the plan. Federated Farmers, the industry's main lobby group, said the plan would rip the guts out of small-town New Zealand and see farms replaced with trees. Federated Farmers President Andrew Hoggard said farmers had been trying to work with the government for more than two years on an emissions reduction plan that would decrease food production. You'll find a link to that story in the show notes. Another story from the science and tech section of El Pais tells us from climate change denial to delayism, oil firms send academics into the fray. Under the weight of evidence that environmental changes are no hoax, multinationals are turning to scholarly work to promote delay tactics while keeping fossil fuels flowing. The story says, on April 8, 2021, Jose Francisco Contras Pilas, a member of Spain's lower house of parliament, spoke during a session of the Parliamentary Committee for Ecological Transition and Democratic Challenge. Contras, a deputy representing the hard-right party Vox, was there to explain why his political group was the only one to have submitted an amendment on the Climate Change and Energy Transmission Bill, which was approved shortly thereafter. In a deep, slow tone, Contras argued that the idea of a climate emergency was a paranoid theory that a large part of Western society has brought into without any scientific basis. He did not refute the existence of global warming, but denied that it was an urgent matter. Then he delivered a speech synthesizing the main argumentative strategies of those seeking to obstruct the energy transition. His statements echoed the kind of climate delayism that is replacing outright denialism in global public forums. You'll find a link to that story in the show notes. That wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please... If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. So until we talk again, please take care.